This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. We've been studying what I consider, honestly, one of the most exciting subjects of study for many weeks now. We call it the Foursquare Gospel. Jesus in all his fullness. And I, I've got to make a disclaimer here. Jesus is so big, we can't possibly contain him in four square. The, the one that created eternities, the one that rules over civilizations, cannot be reduced to four things. But these four things give us a, a well-rounded, balanced view, a work, let me say, workable view of who Jesus is and how much of him we can experience on this side of eternity. When we get to the other side of eternity, we're going to experience Jesus in a limitless form. But for now, these four dimensions of Jesus' power, ministry, and person helps us to be successful in our Christian life here. Jesus is the Savior from sin. Jesus is the healer from a billion diseases. We made two audacious statements last week. Number one. Jesus healed primarily because it is the will of God. That is very audacious because more than half, maybe a majority of the people who call Jesus Savior, who belong to the Christian faith or belong to some denomination or who even have preached the gospel for decades, a majority of them do not know that for a fact. In many people's minds, the Lord sometimes wants to and at other times doesn't want to. It's, it's, not, it's not really a rigid thing, no. Jesus showed us it is the will of God. It is always the will of God in every place, in every time, for everyone to be healed. Why can, how can we be so audacious? How can we be so sure? Well, I don't really care about my personal opinions. I don't really care about my personal beliefs. They are inconsequential. My personal preferences, my personal philosophies, pets, philosophies, or theology. I care about the living word. Jesus is the living word. Jesus is the spoken word. Jesus is the logos of God. Jesus is the logic of God. So let's look at the word and find out how can we be sure that it is always the will of God to heal. My first evidence, my first uh, citation, Hebrews chapter 1, we read from verse 1 to 3, but we're really focusing on verse 3. Verse 1, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and by whom he made the worlds. This son, verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus in the flesh, was or is the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. Let's look at that phrase in the Passion Translation. He's a dazzling radiance of God's splendor, 
He is the exact expression of God's true nature. His mirror image. Jesus is the mirror image of God. Jesus is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor. Jesus is the exact expression of God's true nature. Is it safe to assume that Jesus knew more about God's true nature than you and I would ever know apart from him? Yes, even with him, he still knows more. Is it true, can we say, that Jesus knew more about the true nature of God than all of the theologians from the beginning of time ever knew? Will it be accurate to say Jesus knew more about the nature of God than the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin and the prophets of old? Because God spoke to his people by the prophets, but in the end of days he spoke by his son. And he and his son are the exact same thing. In other words, when the sun shines, if the sun were the father, Jesus is the light of the sun, is the outshining of the sun. They are one and the same. They are consistent in nature. They come from the same source. They are the same fabric. They are the same their components. If God the father looked in the mirror, what would be looking back at him would be Jesus, the exact mirror image of the father and what did jesus do he did not turn one away he healed all all who came to him if jesus had turned one away one single solitary one away would have a reason to believe that perhaps it is not always his will to heal but he didn't he didn't he never said to one Come back tomorrow. Never. Everywhere he went. It didn't matter if it was a headache or brain hemorrhage. He healed all. Let me read that verse for again to you in the message translation. The sun, this sun, perfectly mirrors God and is stamped with God's nature. The sun in the Amplified Bible, the sun is a radiance and only expression of the glory of our awesome God, reflecting God's Shekinah glory, the light being the brilliant light of the, of the divine and the exact representation and perfect imprint of his father's essence. In other words, if you wanted to know what the Father will do in a particular circumstance, all you have to do is look at what Jesus did, does, or will do. Jesus represented the Father 100% fully. And everywhere he went, everywhere he confronted even death, he turned death into an opportunity for a celebration. Look at John chapter 5, verse 19. The Gospel of John, chapter 5, and verse 19. Same story we read. Look at verse 18. This infuriated them and made them all the more eager to devise a plan to kill Jesus. For not only did he break their Sabbath rules, he called God my Father, which made him equal to God. So Jesus said, I speak to you timeless truth. 
The son is not able to do anything from himself or through his own initiative. This is the Passion Translation. I only do the works that I see the father doing. For the son does the same works as the father. Whatever the son is doing on earth is what the father is doing in heaven. Wasn't that what he taught us to pray? Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said, I didn't do this by myself. I didn't do this because I wanted to. I didn't do this because I could. I do this because I see the father do it. In fact, Jesus took it to another dimension. He said, I only say what I hear the Father say. So it's not just doing. Everything I say is what the Father is saying. Everything I do is what the Father, I see the Father do. Do you still have any doubts that healing is always the will of God? Do you have any doubt that God's will is healing in every circumstance, in every situation? The next question you're going to ask me is, why are good people sick? Let me do you one even better. Why do people who preached and who practiced divine healing themselves then turn around and die of sickness and complications? Why and how is it that people that God used to heal other people, like Elisha, Elisha died of a sickness. How is it possible? In the era of the COVID scam, I know a great preacher who had taught on the will of God for prosperity, physical, financial prosperity, and health. A man I've heard testify many times about how the power of God kept him strong and healthy. That man died in the COVID era, sick, died in ICU. So why do good people fall sick? I know a wonderful lady, a wonderful woman of God, so in love with Jesus. Out of respect, I would not call her name, but she had lived a whole lifetime of pain a whole lifetime of helplessness, a whole lifetime of depending on people for the most basic things of life, getting out of bed, going to the bathroom, brushing your teeth, eating, all of it. And this woman is more in love with Jesus than most believers who have no such problems. How is it that another gentleman right now, out of respect, I would not call his name, so right now in ICU after suffering, suffering a massive heart attack. And I heard his daughter pray, who is also a preacher and a theologian, an ordained minister of the gospel. And I heard her pray for her father yesterday. And she was like, Lord, if you heal my father, it will be great. It will bring glory to your name. And I trust my father. He will testify to the world about how great this is. This will be something that the world cannot ignore because this man is a global, has a global stature. His ministry touches possibly millions of people across the earth. But right now he's in ICU breathing through machines and touch and go. So you ask me if it is the will of God that all be healed. 
If it is the will, if sickness is never the will of God, how is it that good people are sick? How is it that godly people are sick? How is it that anointed people are sick? Well, I don't have all the answers, but let me say this. Jesus told us, let's begin with this one. Jesus told us to pray. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That suggests to me right there that the will of God is not automatically done on earth as God intended for it to be in heaven, as God envisages it in heaven. Otherwise, why would we have to pray about it? And implicit in that command, in that pattern of prayer, is also the, the reality or the implication that if we do not pray, the will of God will not be done. Furthermore, it follows that your experience and my experience does not invalidate the revealed will of God. Even if I'm a good person, even if I'm a great preacher, even if I'm an anointed preacher, even if I've been used mightily of God to bring his healing and his comfort to many, my experiences are not superior to God's revealed word, to God's living word. That is the only place to look to define the will of of God. It is in his revealed world. It is in the person, the principles, the practices, and the power demonstrated in the ministry of Jesus. Now, regarding the gentleman I mentioned earlier, whose daughter was praying for her, she told God how wonderful it would be for this man to be healed. And I agree. I agree that somebody may come to Christ as a result of our testimony. Possibly somebody will. Somebody will, will become more sold out. Somebody will consecrate their life even stronger by that testimony. But then she appended a phrase to her prayer. If it be your will, God, do this thing. It will be great. It will be wonderful. But if it's your will, do it. The implication is if it's not your will, we'll accept it. The question is how would we know if it was not the will of God, we couldn't possibly know just because the person died. Because like I said earlier, the will of God is hardly ever done. Have you not read Psalm 81 verse 10? God lamenting over his people. Oh, I wish my people had obeyed me. I told my people, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. But my people said, it doesn't make sense to open my mouth wide when I have nothing to say. So my people refused to open wide their mouth. I told my people, Isaiah chapter 32, be at peace, rest. They said, no, no, we cannot, we can't sit still. We must run. So God says, if you want to run, I will see to it that your pursuers are swift. You will run until you expire. Psalm 81, I wish you would do what I tell you. Open your mouth and I will feel it. You don't open your mouth, so I cannot feel it. He said, God said, I would have quickly, swiftly defeated your enemies. I would have easily declared war on those that are fighting you. I would have fed you with the finest of wheat. I would have satisfied you with honey out of the rock. But all of that is not happening because you wouldn't obey the simplicity 
of my instruction. Do you, can you imagine what would have happened in the wedding feast of Cana of Galilee when Jesus said to those young people, put water in the water pots and then without prayer, without fermentation, without any process of winemaking, take the same water that you put in a moment ago and go serve it to the master of ceremony and tell them it's wine in a culture where they could have been executed for doing that. Suppose they had said to Jesus, Lord, it doesn't make any sense. I'm not going to do that. Would we have a testimony of water turned to wine? I doubt it. What if the apostles said to Jesus, we have only five loaves and two fish, and you want to feed 5,000 men apart from women and children? We're not going to be part of this ridicule. We're not going to be part of this, 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 this nonsensical behavior. We will not tell the people to sit down. We will not give them the expectation that they will be fed. It would tell them the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, we have only five loaves and two fish. There are 5,000 men and women here, maybe 20,000 in total, women and children. We don't have enough food. Sorry, you have to go to bed hungry tonight. That's not what happened. They told the people, sit down, food is coming. And Jesus took five loaves and two fish, looked up to heaven, blessed it, broke it, gave it to the disciples. They gave it to the people in turn, and they passed, everyone passed it on until everyone had had something to eat. And Jesus still had bread and fish in his hands, and there were 12 baskets left over. What is my point? The will of God is hardly ever done on earth. The will of God is hardly ever done in the church. The will of God is hardly ever done in the homes. The will of God is hardly ever done in Christian marriages. That is why Christians are divorcing at the same rate as unbelievers are divorcing. Is that the will of God? No. Why do Christians struggle with sin? Why are Christians bound by the same addictions that bound that binds the people of the world? Does it mean that Jesus has not already set us free? Does it mean that Jesus has not defeated sin in all his power? No. It means that the, the will of God must be enforced. Look at the natural. Why do we have law enforcement? Why don't we just have laws? Laws in the constitution, laws in the books. Why don't the government just release the laws and just believe us to, you know, and trust us rather to just obey the law? Why do we have South African Revenue Service? Why don't they just trust us to pay our taxes? Because human nature, the fallen man will try to get away with sin or offenses if you let them. Why do we have traffic enforcement? Because we will break traffic rules if we know we can get away with it. In the same way, Satan will flaunt the will of God. Satan will flaunt the agenda of heaven at will if there is no enforcement. Guess who does the enforcement? Jesus said, behold, I give you all authority in heaven and on earth. We are the enforcers of the authority of Jesus. Sadly, we have abdicated our authority for the devil. James chapter 5, is there any sick amongst you? Call the best specialists. Call the, 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 the greatest surgeons in the land. Call the great pharmacists. No, call the elders of the church. Nothing against doctors, nothing against pharmacists. Pharmacists have saved countless lives. But they cannot be our first call. They cannot be our only call. They should rather be our last resort. Is any sick amongst you? Call the elders of the church. And when they come, what do they bring with them? Medicines? No, they bring the anointing oil. 
They bring their faith. They bring the prayer of faith. They pray the anointed seeking with oil in the name of the Lord. James chapter 5 verse 16. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Ladies and gentlemen, when we get to heaven, we will realize that how little of what God had made available we were able to assimilate and to receive. How little. Our capacity utilization is, 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 is amazingly, spectacularly minute compared to what God has prepared. Jesus in Luke chapter 19 was looking at Jerusalem and he was weeping. Ah, Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem. If only you know the things that heaven has prepared for you today, in this your day, not in the future, not in the millennial kingdom, not in eternity, not in heaven. The things that are ordained for you today. Jesus wept over Bethsaida and Chorazin. If the, if the works that were done in you were done in Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom will still be a city today. Gomorrah will still be a city today. They will not have been judged. But the great works of Jesus, the, Jesus himself, greater than Solomon, has walked in the middle of you and you did not see it. He wept over cities that will not see the will of God, that will not receive the word of God. So he said to Jerusalem, your enemies will come against you. They will loot you, rape you, raise you to the ground because you did not know the days of your visitation. The possessor of the heavens and the earth came visiting. The greatest power that is, the creator of all things that is visible and invisible. Angels and atoms, galaxies. The creator of it all came to visit and you thought it was a plaything. So what am I saying? It doesn't matter what your experience is. It doesn't matter what my experience is. What matters is the experience of the word, the truth of the word, the principles, the practice of Yeshua Jesus. Bible tells us in Hebrews 13 verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. Jesus Christ is the same today. Jesus Christ is the same forevermore. Whoever he was in the pre in the pre New Testament era, that is who he is in the New Testament era. That is who he will be in the post New Testament era. He's the same yesterday. He's the same today. He's the same forever. Whatever he did yesterday, he will do today. Jesus, stretch forth your hand and touch my brothers and sisters right now. Those who are listening to this as faith is rising in their heart. From the crown of their heads to the soles of their feet, flush out every disease, flush out every, every pain, flush out every inflammation in the name of Jesus, flush out every contamination, every contagion. Be healed from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. And if you are listening to this, you are not born again. You are running a risk. Fall on your knees and take Jesus as your Lord, Lord and Savior of your spirit, soul, and body, and your future will be secure. God love you. I'll see you next week. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.